Good morning. How are you today? That's good. Well, if you weren't here last week and didn't get a chance to hear Ray Frederick and his two lessons, you really missed a good opportunity. Ray did a wonderful job, and I don't know why I'm so surprised at it, but I've, uh, I've never been in a class of his, I don't think. Uh, I'm probably always teaching or uh, his subject is too deep for me or something along that line. <laughs> but I can just imagine eighth graders, they just sit around and go, oh, Mr. Frederick, right? Just soaking it all up, yeah? No? Well, I could sure sit in his social studies class. Man, that, he did a really, really great job, and, and it's, it's glad, and I appreciate him stepping up. Couple of things to know. One, next Sunday, you gain an hour's sleep. So don't be staying up later on Saturday night. You know, go to bed at your normal time and you'll get that extra hour of sleep. The following Sunday, November the 11th, Brother Eddie Sanders from Charlotte, is it Charlotte? North Carolina for sure. I think it's Charlotte. Will be here with us. Uh, we're going to spend the weekend with him, and, and he is the, uh, one of the ministerial candidates that we are bringing in. We interviewed him on the phone, and uh, we think he's the fit here, and we're going to bring him in and, and see. So put that on your calendar and make sure that, that you're here. And then we're going to have potluck that day, okay? So that's November the 11th. That's the unscriptural potluck Sunday. So, so put that on your calendar and, and pray that God will forgive us for having a potluck on a different Sunday and a different day, but uh, we want to get to know him. We'll spend some time in the afternoon uh, asking him questions. We'll give you opportunities to ask him some questions, and we'll see how he holds up and see if he can make it through the gauntlet of being examined by the Watterson Trail Church of Christ. And here it is, almost Halloween, and it's only 64 days left in the year. And it's only 25 days till Thanksgiving, and only 58 days till Christmas, and it's 35 days until our annual meeting, the first Sunday in December. And I'm kind of putting that out there also for my other elder brethren that we got to get ready for the December annual meeting on December the, the 2nd. Last year we told you we were going to do less, but we were going to try to do what we did better. And then the year hit us right in the face. And it's kind of been one of these kind of things. We're, we're, we've been kind of meandering since all of our little issues have come up and we've, we've lost our youth minister and we've lost our regular minister and we've tried to be encouraging and, and you are still here on October the 28th and that is a good, good thing and we appreciate you hanging in here with us while we go through all of these little issues and, and all of the, the stuff that has to be done 
in getting a ministry, getting the right fit for this congregation. And that's critically important. And it's hard to, it's hard to know what to do in these kind of situations. And so one of the things that we talk about, and I talk about often, is, is what is our goal here? What is it that we're really after? What is it that we're trying to do? Everything needs to be addressing the same goal. You've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes in the 25th verse of this book, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, the church, referred to in the female gender, having cleansed her, the church, addressed in the female gender, by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. It says Jesus wants to present the church to himself without spot or wrinkle. And as I look out here, you know what I see? Spots, wrinkles, gray hair, no hair. <laughs> Fat bellies. <laughs> Y'all don't look like you're free of spots and blemishes. But in your obedience to Christ Jesus, by doing what the Bible has told us to do, we all have a different look. Have you looked in the mirror lately? I don't like what I see. <laughs> I don't think anybody does as they age and they grow older and that kind of stuff. But, you know, you do it a little bit at a time, day by day, and it just kind of gradually sneaks up on you. When you really notice it is when you, you find these boxes of pictures that are stuffed under your... Uh, your cabinet, you know, and you go, what's in here? And you open this box up, and you start looking at things, and you go, oh, my goodness. Look how whatever I was, you know. I always think handsome, you know, and or skinny or just different, you know. When you look back at pictures when you were 20 and 30, and you look at yourself now in the mirror, you go, oh, what, what has happened? Well, we've aged. Life has gone on. The days have trickled by. Christ wants to present to himself people who've looked in the spiritual mirror and see that they've done the, the right things and they can stand before God without blemish, spot, or wrinkle. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? You may outwardly appear to be some old person with spot or wrinkle. Inwardly, you're supposed to possess Jesus Christ. And Paul says, examine yourself for whether or not you test yourselves to find out whether or not you, you can prove that he's in there. Man, nobody likes self-examination, do they? I mean, we don't even like to look in the mirror, let alone look in the spiritual mirror and see who we really are and what we really are. Jesus says, examine yourselves, test yourselves to see whether I'm in you or not. Our goal here is, is only one thing. Everything else is just noise and, and confusion. Everything else is just a distraction. There's only one single goal here, and that is to get into the church and be part of that wrinkle-free, blemish-free group that Jesus wants to present to himself as he goes and brings us into heaven. Everything else, just noise. That's the only objective that we, that we accomplish it in many different ways, and there are many other attributes of Christ living in us. One of the things is today. We're going to give some money, I hope you gave some money, to Hurricane Relief. We're going to send a check this week to Disaster Relief of the Churches of Christ in Nashville, Tennessee. And for sure, that check is going to be $1,225 plus what you've given today. We're going to send that to Disaster Relief, and they're going to make from that the accumulated contributions of several churches, and they're going to make semi-trailers full of supplies and needs for these people that just got devastated by this hurricane in Florida. And the money's going to come from people like me and you all around the world, part of the brotherhood that can feel our neighbors that we don't even know prevail when we see those pictures on the TV. But that's not buying our way into heaven. That's just reacting to Christ living in us. Our goal here is to get to heaven, to bring everybody else along with us. Everything else is just noise and confusion. It's just like the, the seed that was sown on the various soils, and some of it takes, and some of it's trodden down, some of it's in the tares, some of it the birds eat, some of it's on the rocky soil. But we've got to keep spreading the seed to get people into the church that Jesus died for so that they can be presented along with the rest of us who, who are trying to stay in the church to make it into heaven. And, and we can go uh, a thousand different directions from here. 
But the direction I want to go is, is the road that you're on and the direction that you're traveling going to get you to the destination you want to get to. Now, the, the Christian life has been paralleled by the Apostle Paul in, in the New Testament as being a race or a journey or a trip. As was read for us early, earlier, do, not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I might myself might be disqualified. Life is a race. Paul says, run that race efficiently. Yeah. Is it a 100-yard dash, or is it uh, a marathon, or is it, I don't know, what's the 100-miler called? I forget what it's called. Never run it, obviously. But When I was in high school, we, I ran cross-country track not because I was good at running, but because I wanted to get in shape for the basketball season that was getting ready to come up, and cross-country season was in front of basketball season. So it forced me to run. And so I would, I would, you know, I would participate, but I would never finish in the, in the top bunch. I would never figure in any of the statistics for the team. I just, I got to run two and a half miles or two miles, whatever it was. We were at a meet for Fern Creek out at Chenoweth Park. Uh, and Charlie Vetner, for those of you who are of such a young age, but it was Chenoweth Park then. And I don't know, half a dozen schools there. And so there's got to be 50, 60, 70 people. We're all lining up on the, on the bah, starter's gun goes off, and one guy, and we're going to run two miles, folks. One guy takes off like he is, his house is on fire, and his pants are in there with it, you know, just takes off. And so every all the guys on our team who were, who were worried about somebody else trying to keep pace with this, you know, they yelled out, rabbit, rabbit. That was the international word for us to not follow this guy, okay, because he was going to gas out before he got a quarter of a mile or three-eighths of a mile and then disappear. And his idea was he was if he could get anybody to go with him, follow along with him, they'd, they'd run out of gas and be wasted, okay, and then everybody would, would pass them. The life we live, calling a race, is an endurance race. You know, Kenny Chesney sang a song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go right now, okay? We, we, we like life. We do. It's the only thing that, that we know
And so, you know, we, what we really want at this age, even though we got lots of spots, we want it to slow down. You know, Keith was talking about the sun standing still and Joshua this morning. That's what we'd really like. We'd really like for everything to slow down. The year's almost over. Here we were just talking about it like this last week. Bringing in the new year. Seems like. I can really still remember opening my Christmas presents. And here it is almost Christmas again. Life gets so fast. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The Hebrew writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Is the road you're traveling and the direction you're going going to get you to the place you want to be? That's the thing I'm asking you to examine this morning. Now, this, this is a day and time in which directions and the ability to get from one spot to the next is much different than it was in the good old days. Okay? Now, th there's a restaurant over in, off Shelbyville Road that's infamous for its steaks. It's a really, really nice place to go. And it's kind of stuck out of the way. And a lot of people don't really recognize where it is. But the most common direction for finding this restaurant is that it's in a strip mall behind the old Sears building. Now, who knows where I'm talking about? What's the name of the place? Del Frisco's. Yeah. How many of you didn't know where I was talking about? Yeah. And, you know, that's either your, your area of town or... And if you go looking, if I give you a map to go find the old Sears building, you ain't going to find it. It ain't the Sears building anymore. But everybody, it was there for so long. That if you've got any age in this town and in this city, you know, because, and it's used as a reference point behind the old Sears building. How many of you have you ever used a little piece of paper or, or maybe a paper napkin to draw somebody a sketch on how to, how to get to someplace, you know? And you hand it to them, and, and then... Uh, uh, they lose the orientation of it, you know, which way was which, and the, the, the writing is not real well. And They use this thing, and they, they try to get to the place that they're trying to go. Or maybe, how many of you below 25 here have ever used a, a thing, antique, it's called a map? Ray, you ever used a map? Once, once or twice. Uh, and not in your army days? Teaching, okay. You show them maps, right? Oh, I remember when we were first going to, one time many years ago, heading down to uh, Chattanooga on our way to Atlanta. And there's a little dip in the road there on, I think it's I-24. You go from Tennessee to Georgia. 
Well, I mean, I know my geography, and Chattanooga is in Tennessee, and we are just now in Georgia. And it's like, what happened to Chattanooga? How did we get so messed up? I didn't know which way to go. We're in Georgia. And so we, we got all discombobulated and uh, down on 59 and I had to go back up and it, it, it was a mess. And I'm looking at my navigator going, how did you let us do this? You know, you're supposed to be reading the map. Today's technology, what do you do? You, you get your phone out of your pocket, right? And you say, uh, Siri, take me to Del Frisco's. And then Siri will come back and tell you when to turn and where to turn and how to turn. Turn by turn directions on how and where you ought to go. And then finally, there, there's the last way that, well, no, no there's two more ways. Uh, one is, come on, follow me. Come on, follow me. It's, it, it's right down here. I have to tell this on ourselves, but uh, the Eisenbergs like the caravan to Fripp Island, South Carolina. That's me, uh, my sons and daughters, and their families, and my brother, and his sons and daughters. And it can be as many as six or seven vehicles leaving from Louisville, Kentucky, and trying to get to Fripp Island or Beaufort, South Carolina, 600 miles away without getting lost or left behind, okay? Now, before we had cell phones, this was a task. And it's, it's, there's a specific job entailed on being the leader, okay? Now, anybody care to guess what that is? But pay attention to who's behind you, okay? So depending upon who our leader was, if it was one of the young kids, it was, okay, I'm ready to go, I'm going, come on, y'all, and so forth and so on, and not be aware of, I got hung by this light, and I got this car in, got in the way, so forth and so on, and I took the interstate, and, and, you know, and then about 17 miles down the road, they're going, are y'all back there anywhere, you know? And then every, every now and again, someone will think, wait a minute, they got to be behind me when they're really in front of me. And they pull off the side of the road waiting for them to come up, you know, and, get, and it's like nobody there. And so it, it'd be days before we see them again, you know. And it's like, how, do we ever, how did we ever get as a group to, to... And then there's the other way that you get to where you're going by the road. That is, you just know the way, Right? You just know the way. Places that you've traveled, that you know by, by instinct, you know the turns, so forth and so on. In fact, I would guess a lot of you couldn't give turn-by-turn -turn street names and addresses to people who are trying to get to some particular place because you don't know the street names. You just know where it is and when you turn and what the landmark is that you turn by, so forth and so on not recognizing the, the street. You just know how to get there. You know how to get to this church. You, don't, you may not know all the roads that you have to take to get here or their names, but you know how to get here. You come 
on a frequent basis. You just, you just know the way. Well, as Jesus was finishing the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, he's telling the disciples and the crowds and the, the religious leaders, he's telling them they've got to decide. They've got choices Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. You can use many parallels in, in this analysis as you read from Jesus. But, but, but he says a couple of things. One is the, the, the way is wide. The way is wide. We were talking, uh, maybe it was Friday night at the chili supper. About the toll road, Dennis was asking about toll bridges, I think. And then we've got to talking about tolls around here. You ever been to one of the toll booths in Chicago? Through it, you know? You're, 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 you're two or three lanes of traffic there, and all of a sudden you open up to this toll booth, and it looks like there's 400 lanes right there with the toll booth, you know? And cars are going, do, 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 like at the Indianapolis 500, into these toll lanes to pay their toll and on through the toll booth. It was a commercial, I don't know, a couple of months ago where, uh, I don't know, it was about phone service, I think, and everybody's running the, the same direction except Kevin Hart. He's running the opposite direction, you know, and, it, and he's, well, where are y'all going? I must be going wrong because I'm the one person that's going in the, in the direction. And so he does what? He turns around and follows them when... The effort of the commercial is, no, they were trying to spin the world. That's what it was. Oh, we're going the wrong way. And then they all got to turn and go the other way. Just because a lot of people are doing something. I'm going to sound like my mom and dad here. I just realized that. Just because a lot of people are going in a certain direction doesn't mean that it's right. Right? And Jesus himself says it. The way is wide, the, the amount of people heading in that direction are many, but it's going to get them to a place they don't want to be. What's he say? He says that leads to destruction, and many are that go that particular way. We feel comfortable with a lot of people, with a lot of people around us. We think, oh, there's safety in numbers. We can't be wrong if so many people are believing a particular thing. It can't be wrong if so many people are going in a particular way. Jesus said, yeah, if you want to follow me and, and, you, and you want what I have promised, which is delivering you to myself, without spot or wrinkle or blemish, then here's the way you have to go. For the gate is narrow, 
and the way is hard that leads to life, and those are few. Those are few that find it. Well, that, it, it doesn't sound real, real good, does it? The way's narrow. You want to scare Nita? Put her in a car with me on the side of a mountain on a narrow road. Now, if, 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 if the road drops off, if the cliff, if the mountain goes down this way, then she's going to be looking at the, up the mountain. You know? She's not going to look down the side, okay? And if, so, so if it's down the side to my side, she, she can handle it all right. But, man, when, it, when we started going up, when we went out west, I saw those mountains and so forth. And, you know, I'm sure it probably had something to do with the speed that I was driving on these narrow roads. <laughs> And the fact that I was going, hey, look at that up there, you know. Damn, will you pay attention to your driving? Boy, narrow paths can, can scare you sometimes. The road is so narrow and it's so treacherous. And then being out there by yourself. Jesus says that the road is narrow. And not only is it narrow, it's what? It's hard. It's not easy. The, the wide path is the one that's easy. The hard path is the narrow path that leads to what? Life. The way is hard that leads to life, and those are few who find it. If we want to get to heaven, then what's the pathway that we need to be taking? The wide way, the narrow, the easy way? No. The narrow way that's hard. And there may not be many people on it. We may be by ourselves a lot of times. But that's what Jesus said, where we need to be. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day on the Isle of Patmos in exile. I don't really know what that means. What, was he in a trance? He was feeling something that was different. And a voice like the trumpet spoke from behind him and says, write the things you're going to see in a book. And he turned and he describes the figure that he saw with seven lampstands and seven uh, stars and the voice said write these things to the seven churches of Asia and so to each one of the churches there was a there was a condemnation six of seven I think six of seven had condemnations five of seven had rebukes seven of seven were given solutions Five of seven were told what their acts of disobedience were going to be, uh, the consequences of their uh, disobedience. And seven of seven were promised. But in Revelation 3, verse 1, as John wrote to the church at Sardis, he says, you have a reputation that you are alive. 
I tell you, you're really dead. We don't want to be Sardis. We don't want to receive the letter from the Lord Jesus. We think we're alive, but we're dead. Let's keep on. Go in the narrow way. Let's stay on the path that's narrow. It's hard. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. We'll get there if we stay together as a church and set our goal to get to heaven. If you haven't confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the time, the opportunity. If you're traveling a road that won't get you to the place you want to be and the place you need to be, now it's time to jump off of that road the wide way that's easy and jump on the narrow way and dedicate your life back to Jesus. If you have a need or a desire to respond to the invitation of our Lord right now, won't you come forward as we stand and sing this song?